Aloha. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we're going to go over Big Board 3.0, my first Big Board of the new year. Let's roll. Aloha, everyone. I wanted to thank you all for supporting NBA Big Board uh, last year. It's a new year, and I really appreciate it when you make this your first listen. Uh, every time we upload a podcast, we took a couple of weeks off for the holiday break. It was great for me. You can see I, I got a beard. I'm, I'm chilling out on the porch today. Uh, but I've been watching a ton of college basketball, talking to NBA scouts, and, and really starting to put together what to me is the first substantive big board um, of the year. A lot of it's speculation at the start of the season, big board 1.0 before any college basketball games are played, before the G League Ignited played, really before their national season got started. Big board 1.0, pretty small, or 2.0, pretty small sample size of, of prospects right now. And you know we were only seeing them five, six games, a lot of times not great competition. We're now, you know, depending on the prospect, because there was a lot of COVID pauses and, and that meant that you know, at times uh, teams weren't playing as much as we'd like them to play. So you've got anywhere from nine to 15 games now under the belt of most of these prospects, which I think starts to give us a pretty good feel um, for what's going on. So just a couple of reminders about my big boards and what they are. I talked to NBA scouts. Uh, this is not my opinion. It's also not just like a power ranking of who's playing the best basketball right now, but this is really projecting out of where these guys might go uh, come June for the 2000. 22 uh, NBA draft uh, based off of the intel that I'm getting. I am watching a lot of games. I'm watching a lot of synergy. I'm, I'm breaking down uh, the, the analytics as well. Uh, but I, I err on the side of what NBA general managers and scouts and other talent evaluators are telling me um, about the big board. So may, mine may differ quite a bit from other people that are just doing their own scouting or have their own um, opinions. So let's get started and and talk about this big board update it just released on my website nbabigboard.com on thursday uh, if you haven't subscribed yet I, I really hope that you go over there and subscribe get a newsletter get this in your inbox um, right away when it comes there's a lot more information that comes over on that website and that newsletter than happens in this podcast here um, you will not get all 40 uh, of the prospects that i rank actually i talk about 45 because i have the next five in that you're going to get if you go over and subscribe NBABigBoard.com, $7 a month, $70 for the year. I really think it's going to be a great deal. And we're really starting to get into the NBA draft season now that we're in January. College teams are in conference play. Things are starting to get more serious. And and there's there's this is a really interesting draft. So one of the things that I want to talk about is I wrote on Tuesday about how NBA general managers are seeing this draft compared to the you know, looks like historic 2021 NBA draft where you've got Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes who look like they're going to be potential superstars, potential MVP candidates someday. Cade Cunningham, Franz Wagner looking like they're going to be NBA all-stars someday, maybe with a little bit higher ceiling. Uh, Josh Giddy, uh, youngest uh, rookie ever uh, to put up a triple-double uh, in the NBA. He's playing great. There's some young prospects like Jonathan Kaminga, Josh Primo that are just scratching the surface. Don't 
don't get a lot of minutes on their team, but they're they're actually really good um, as well. And so this is a really deep class. The 2021 class is amazing. We haven't even talked about Jalen Green, um, uh, Jalen Suggs, uh, and and so many others, uh, Davian Mitchell, Chris Duarte, uh, Alperin and Singoon, you know, so many other players, Herb Jones in the second round that have made this really just an incredible, uh, incredible class. And if you haven't, go over and follow me on Twitter at Chad Ford Insider. Every day uh, I put up the top rookies uh, at the night after the games are over and tweet that out as well as I tweet out the top draft prospects and what they did every night. So uh, if you want to follow along on a daily basis about what's happening, go over to Twitter, uh, follow me at Chad Ford Insider, and uh, you can follow along everything there. All right, so so wh- what do they think about this draft in general? They're not as bullish on this draft. There was multiple tier one prospects in 2021. Some of them haven't totally, like Jalen Green, haven't totally played up uh, to, to snuff yet from what scouts had really sort of hoped for but there's so much potential right now and that's not normal for an NBA draft and so what is more normal maybe one tier one guy one potential superstar guy maybe one maybe two like potential all-star guys bunch of starters then a bunch of role players is is much more typical and that's how this draft is is rounding out and you know some general managers a little bit salty about it right now i think everybody's gotten a little bit spoiled over what happened in 2021 uh, up until uh, yesterday uh, when i launched big board 3.0 uh, over on my website nbabigboard.com i did not have a tier one superstar grade for anybody uh, in this draft not for chet holmgren uh not for paulo Boncaro, uh not not uh, for Jabari Smith Jr., uh, for no one, um, really. Tier 2 was where I was seen at cap. But, but things have changed over the last few weeks. And now NBA scouts, uh, at least a consensus of NBA scouts, not everyone, are now pegging uh, Jabari Smith Jr. out of Auburn as a potential tier one prospect. I mean, he has the highest ceiling of any prospect uh, in, in this draft and a guy who could be a potential superstar. So he moves from three, that's where he was in big board uh, 2.0, up to number one. I have changed my number one. It is Jabari Smith um, out of Auburn. And, you know, I think the thing about Smith that I think is really intriguing and that you just sort of have to consider is that um, Smith, sorry, we got, uh, looks like we're getting attacked by helicopters here uh, today. the, The thing that I really like about Jabari Smith is he doesn't have a lot of weaknesses and does so many things well. He can go get his own shot. He can rebound. He can defend multiple positions on the floor. He's a good athlete. He has great size for his position. Um, he plays uh, hard. He has a good feel for the game. Chet Holmgren is a better rim protector and defender than Jabari Smith. Paolo Banquero is a better offensive player. He's a more polished offensive player than Jabari Smith. Jaden Ivey is a more explosive athlete uh, than Jabari Smith Jr., but none of them have the r- well-rounded skill set that you're seeing out of Jabari Smith, where he really checks every box. He, he's a delight to play, uh, to watch play. Um, I really love him. I've been I've been talking about him on this podcast now, really for the last month. That that he's my favorite prospect in the draft. I think NBA scouts are agreeing with that now. I won't be surprised by the time we get to June if he's just the like kind of like Cade Cunningham, like the consensus number one guy uh, in this draft. And and uh, and and I think he really deserves it. There are a couple of other guys who I still think are in the mix 
for the number one pick in the draft. At number two, I have Chet Holmgren. He has been my number one guy on Big Board 1.0 and Big Board 2.0. He drops the number two, not because I think he's done anything wrong necessarily, but because I think that for Chet, uh, he just doesn't have that high highest floor as as you're seeing from Jabari Smith. And so, you know, when scouts are looking at this, there's some risk with Chet. Obviously, his his thin frame uh, and what position he plays are some of the big question marks that you have with him. But but look at Chet's numbers. I, I try to do it per 36. And so you're always going to hear per 36 minutes. And that's just to sort of level the playing field because you kind of have wildly different playing uh playing roles and times for different players uh, on teams. And so that just sort of gives us, like if they all played 36 minutes a night, this is kind of how uh, their stat line would look. So for Holmgren, it's 18.6 points a game, 12 rebounds a game, 3.3 assists a game, 4.7 blocks a game, and he's shooting 61% from the field and 35% for three. Those are, those are like number one pick in the draft numbers. It's really that concern about his, his lack of strength, he is tough. I, I mean, absolutely doesn't back down from anybody. But that lack of strength and a little bit teams sort of wondering what position he's going to play. And, and, I, and I think Jabari Smith kind of plays a, a more valuable position. At number three, it's Paulo Bencaro out of Duke, um, who probably, you know, I mean, when you're just kind of looking offensively, is is maybe the most polished offensive player uh, in this draft. We'll talk about Johnny Davis a little bit. I'm um, out of Wisconsin in, in, in the second um, section of this because um, he, he could certainly make that argument as well. 21.2 points a game, 9.5 rebounds, three assists a game, um, 1.8 steals a game, 1.8 blocks, uh, and all in all per 36. Has the frame, the size, the, the, the feel for the game. Why he's three and not one has to do with what teams see as a lack of explosive athleticism and fluidity. He's not a bad athlete at all, and, and there, nobody's dogging his athleticism. It's just that he doesn't have that top-end um, athleticism that raises questions among NBA scouts about what he's going to do on the defensive end of the basketball. I don't think any there's any question that um, he's going to be able to get it done offensively and could easily be a 20-point-a-night scorer in the NBA. The question is, does he get it done on the defensive end? I think there's still questions about that after watching um, him in his first 13 games at Duke, uh, and that's why he's at, at three. The other guy, and he's a dark horse, to be uh, the potential number one pick in the draft is Jaden Ivey. And if you watch Jaden Ivey uh, the other night, uh, this week against Wisconsin, you're probably thinking Chad's crazy. Uh, why would Jaden Ivey uh, be there? He, he struggled in that game against Wisconsin's Johnny Davis, got outplayed by Johnny Davis in that game, um, has had a, a few up and down games for him. But his elite athleticism and explosiveness reminds scouts a little bit of John ja Morant uh, over again. And and he's not, he doesn't play point guard for Purdue, but he has enough ball handling skills that are there. He's actually shot the ball really well, which was one of the big questions coming into this. He, he's shooting 44.8% um, from three in his first 14 games for Purdue, which is really, really terrific. And, you know, when you look overall, you see about 21 uh, points a game, six rebounds a game, four assists a game, uh, 1.6 steals a game per 36 minutes. Those are all actually really, really good um, numbers for him. He wasn't at his best against Wisconsin, but when you see the speed and the raw athletic power with which he plays the game and the aggressiveness which he plays, you can see him in time. He's not where either of the other three guys are right now, but you could see him in time 
maybe exceeding those players because he has the best raw physical tools of anybody in this draft. He, he His mom was a coach. His mom was a WNBA player um, as well. Uh, he's just still getting his feet underneath him. He was not like a top 10, top 15 uh, high school prospect coming into college. Um, he really didn't emerge as a draft prospect until the end of his freshman year at Purdue. Um, but but there's a lot to really like about Jaden Ivey, and I, I am not counting him out as a dark horse for the number one pick in the draft, even though I, I, I say he's a long shot um, to get there. So that's my top four right now. When we come back, uh, I'm gonna talk about uh, picks five uh, through uh, 10. Uh, in uh, my new big board, uh, some big changes here, including somebody who was not even in my top 30 who has now cracked um, the top 10. Uh, you've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're going to go with a new um, sponsor. Yeah, you like that sound? Everybody likes that sound. That's the sound of cash. And that's our new sponsor. Uh, they're called Shopify. And Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses. So upstarts, startups, uh, established businesses alike, sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, effortlessly stay informed. You can scale your business uh, to endless possibilities. Shopify powers millions of businesses um, from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and access social networks uh, with ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, uh, Shopify grows with you. This is possibility. Go to shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA, Right now, shopify.com slash locked on NBA. Okay. We are back talking about my new big board, 3.0, this first one in January to kick off the new year, uh, talking to NBA scouts to put this together. This is my ranking of not how well players are playing today, uh, but how they're projected to go in the 2022 NBA draft. At number five, big mover, by far the biggest mover on my big board, because I'm going to be honest, in, in December, he was not on. Uh, my big board uh, uh, 2.0. It's Johnny Davis, the sophomore shooting guard out of Wisconsin. And to say Davis came out of nowhere is is an understatement. He was ranked 164th in his high school class. Uh, lackluster freshman season, seven points, four rebounds for 24 minutes a game coming off the bench. Was not on anybody's radar. None of the NBA teams or scouts that I talked to um, had him mentioned as a guy that could be a first-round pick. Uh, and then, you know, you fast-forward 
um, to earlier in the week when he puts up 37 points, 14 rebounds in a game against Jaden Ivey and Purdue. Um, this was not his first huge, huge game. He also had a big one against Houston earlier in the year, um, and he has been on fire. His 30 per 36 numbers, 23.5 points a game, 7.7 rebounds a game, 2.7 assists a game. He's shooting 34.8% from three, and this is just one of these clever scorers who knows how to get his shot off from anywhere. He's crafty with the ball. He's a good three-point shooter, even though he takes it at a lower volume than a lot of the top guards. Great feel for the game. Slick handle. He really competes on the defensive end. Um, he brought it. Uh, to Purdue and Jaden Ivey the other day. And even though he's not the explosive athlete that Ivey is, I'm not sure that he's ever going to be uh, a one. Uh, you know, I, I think he, he's a scorer primarily, even though he does sort of have a slick handle. Um, this is just one of these guys who knows how to play, competes at such a high level, has NBA strength um, already for his position. I, I I really, really love him. He's he, 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 again, is not a guy that you would just sort of look at before the season and think he's going to be there. But after seeing him uh, play the way that he's played all season and watching the game film, I really think he's going to be able to get a shot in the NBA. I think he can be a really high-level scorer. Um, and, you know, the one thing I think that we're going to continue to watch is he doesn't, like I say, take a lot of threes. He's shooting okay um, from three, but really like to see him up his volume there because that's what NBA teams are going to want him to do um, at the next level. If he can get there, I think he's a fantastic prospect, and he'll have an argument uh, of maybe going over Jaden Ivey and being the top guard uh, drafted uh, in the 2022 NBA draft. My, my biggest reach is at number six. It's A.J. Griffin, the freshman out of Duke, uh, who is coming off the bench for Duke. He he struggled with injuries his junior and senior seasons of high school, then got injured in the preseason for Duke. Scouts kind of grumbling, when are we ever going to get to see this guy? Um, his his father um, is Adrian Griffin, and you know the early returns were, were shaky for him. I mean, there was a lot of rust to shake off, but he's really starting to come into his own, and Coach K um, has, has started to find a role for him. Uh, and then you look at the 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 physical tools he's got strength he's got length he's wingspan between seven oh seven seven feet and seven two depending uh, on on who you talk to NBA build is shooting forty five percent from three can take players off the bounds has great defensive instincts uh, and and is really starting to make an impact uh, for them uh, off the bench uh, for Duke right now and I've heard multiple NBA scouts say that that Griffin reminds them of a young Jimmy Butler. Uh, and uh, if he's anything like Jimmy Butler, uh, he's going to deserve to get drafted this high. He's also one of the youngest players in this draft. He, he turns, uh, he's 18 still uh, on draft night. And so it's harder when you're projecting guys that come off the bench, don't have the, the primary role, are surrounded by a bunch of either veteran talent or uh, in, in the case of Duke, you know, blue chip talent um, all around them. And you have to sort of have a vision for this, the way that um, Toronto had vision when they drafted Scotty Barnes, um, the way that Chicago Bulls had vision when they drafted Patrick Williams. You have to sort of be able to project ahead and not just look at, okay, what has this player done, but what can they do when they get healthy and uh, and really grow as a player. And I, and I think that scouts believe that A.J. Griffin has a chance to be, be special. I don't know that he gets much higher in this. I feel like I've got him near uh, his ceiling uh, on big board uh, uh, 3.0, but that is 
still an incredible place to go. Maybe maybe five, maybe four. Uh, and, and, and could he drop further? Yeah, I mean, if he gets injured again or if his production starts to tail off. But but his production per 36 is, is 17.3 points a game, 6.8 rebounds a game, 2.5 assists, 1.5 blocks, 1.5 steals, shooting 55% from the field. These are really good numbers per 36. And again, he's on a loaded Duke team, so there's a reason why he's coming um, off the bench. But it, it's clear he's starting to get a role now. And if he dominates an AC, ACC play uh, coming off the bench, I think he is going to be a top six, top seven uh, pick uh, in this draft. And uh, I, I, I think, again, this exercise of putting together a big board is about thinking ahead, not just thinking about what's in front of you right now. And so the same could be true with my number seven guy, Kendall Brown, uh, another wing, this one, another freshman, this guy playing on Baylor, again, surrounded by a lot of veteran players. Um, so he kind of fits in his role. This guy is an off the charts uh, athlete, uh, one of the best athletes in the draft, has great size for his position, 6'8 with a 6'10 wingspan. Um, really gets it done defensively, incredible finisher um, at the rim. And big question for him is going to be jump shot. He's taken like 11 threes the entire season. He's shooting a strong 45% from downtown, so so he's making them. But this the sample size is really small, and it's just a little unclear why he doesn't he doesn't take more threes um, for him. His shooting is at 70% from the free throw line, which isn't was, wasn't ideal. But again, we're projecting out. So you, you look at him and say, didn't the dude have like four points the other night? Yeah, he's surrounded by a lot of talent on, on the national champions and the number one team um, in the country, at, at least at the time of the recording of this podcast. So yeah, he's He's going to not always be the guy who's going to dominate every night like some of the players that we've talked about before. But again, we're projecting out. And this is, this is hard. And I think this is the thing that, you know, for talent evaluators is the scariest thing to do is stick your neck out for young players who aren't just dominating every night. It's easy to see the guys that are scoring, you know, like Johnny Davis and say, oh, okay, this guy's scoring so well every night. We can make that easy projection. It's harder with these guys like Kendall Brown and AJ Griffin. But uh, I, I think for those of you that listen to me on the podcast or those of you that follow me over at my website, nbabigboard.com, this is what you pay me to do. Um, it's not just to tell you every night who's playing well, but who might be able to um, improve. And I, and I think that I delivered last year with guys like Scotty Barnes and, uh, and and Evan Mobley, and and I've missed on um, big ones like Darko Milicic um, in the past, and that that is part of the scary thing of doing this is that you're going to swing, and and sometimes you're going to miss, and sometimes you're going to hit. But I, I think that's what great NBA scouts do, and that's what I'm trying to do. And the scouts that I really trust, they're very high on Griffin uh, and 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 Kendall Brown, and so we're going to be really aggressive um, with him. I'm also going to be really aggressive with one of his teammates. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit uh, in the third segment. Um, rounding out the top 10, Keegan Murray uh, at eight, who this guy is easy uh, because he's leading the country as a scorer right now. His per 36 numbers are 30.5 points a game, 10 rebounds a game, 1.7 assists a game, 2.6 blocks, 1.9 assists. I mean, this guy's crushing it. And, you know, we had big questions about Murray because he came off the bench at Iowa. It was uh, overshadowed by uh, Luca, Luca Garza and Joe Weiskamp last year. 
Um, wasn't sure what it was going to look like when he got the ball in his hands and really became uh, the dominant force for Iowa. Um, he has been incredible. I think everybody sort of said, ah, it's kind of against weak competition. Let's wait and see. Um, what he does against stronger stronger teams, uh, but he dropped 35 points on Maryland uh, on Monday. Um, had strong games against Illinois and Virginia um, as well. Not like an elite athlete. I think that's the one thing that that limits his ceiling a little bit. And the other thing is he's 21.8 years old on draft night, which makes him old for a sophomore and on the older end for getting excited about top 10 picks um, in the draft. There's, there's something to the age thing um, that, that, again, the analytics just prove out time and time again. I know, I know fans get frustrated with it sometimes, but um, it, it plays out over time. I, I think Murray is just, you know, the sort of prototypical 3 and D uh, wing uh, in the NBA, and I, I think he's going to be a great pick. And, you know, somewhere in the 5 to the 15 range. Um, there's there's a big gap here that we're starting to talk about when we get to five about where guys can go. I, my guess is Murray's on the high end of that, uh, not on the low end. And number nine was Jaden Hardy, a guy who uh, before the season I thought might be in contention for the number one pick in the draft, playing for the G League Ignite. Uh, you know, on the surface, he's averaging 19.8 points a game in the G League per 36 minutes. That's good. Five rebounds, 3.8 assists. That's good. But then you get to the efficiency, 35% from the field, 26.9% from three, lots of turnovers, lots of forcing the issue. He doesn't seem to have grown into the game yet. Uh, he's still taking bad shots and, and making mistakes, not adjusting to what he saw in high school, to what's coming against much older prospects. But we also take some of those struggles with a grain of salt because he is playing it against the higher level of competition than the college basketball kids are and, and a lot of the international prospects. Though there are some international prospects that are pay, playing against even a better um, level of competition. A lot of these guys have played in the NBA. They're older, um, they're veterans. There was a big leap and really interesting to see what Hardy does in the second half of the G League season. Because if he makes some adjustments, you know, his shooting ability, his scoring ability, um, his feel for the game, scouts really like that uh, coming into the G League. He struggled, and, and I don't think there's any way to sugarcoat it um, right now, but I, I really think that um, with a strong second half, he can move right back into the you know five, six, seven range. He's at nine on Big Board 3.0. Rounding out my top 10, it's Benedict Mathurin, uh, the Arizona sophomore wing, Flirted with the draft last year, decided to come back. It seems to have paid off. Um, he's been great, averaging 21.7 points, 7.5 rebounds, 2.4 assists, shooting 38.6 from three, 38.6 from three. And he's a, he's kind of a, a, a little bit of a one-dimensional player. He's a great athlete, so he can shoot the three, um, and then he can straight line drive to the basket. He's a beast in transition. He doesn't do a lot to create his own shot off the dribble, though. He's going to sort of either shoot the three. If he's got a straight line drive to the basket, he can do that. He's going to dominate, um, like I said, in transition. But you're not going to see a lot of creativity from him. He's not going to be a great passer. He's not going to create his own shot um, off the bounce. And, and that limits his upside a bit um, because he's had, he's had a really great uh, sophomore season, only 20 on draft night. He's actually younger than Chet Holmgren and just barely older than Paolo Boncaro. So uh, definitely a guy that is still very young and, and, and Mathurin, I think, can be a really great prospect. 
Okay, so uh, we're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about Built Bar. Uh, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about uh, some of the other uh, players that I wanna talk about on my big board on 3.0. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, the Locked On Podcast Network. And it's time, it's a new year. That means New Year's resolutions and yours is about getting fit or eating healthier or anything like that. Uh, make sure to make Built Bar um, part of your New Year's plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, even better than a candy bar, especially when you get that coconut one. It tastes like a Mounds Bar. It's delicious. Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good that you want to eat it, but unlike other protein bars that can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, you want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. Like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, only 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, not four, and dozens of net carbs. Uh, only four for Built Bar. So here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, in the office, the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary, calorie-filled treats. Replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. And even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and it's good for you. The way you enjoy a delicious Built Bar can almost count as if it's a workout. There's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut, almond, peanut butter, brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many, many more. In fact, Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com to see what's new. Go to Built.com, use promo code, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. We've done the top 10 of Big Board 3.0. If you want to read all 40, there's like 7,500 words over there at my website, nbabigboard.com. Go over there, subscribe, $7 a month, $70 a year. It's time, draft fans, uh, to invest in stuff. I'm gonna have scouting reports. Um, we're doing all sorts of stuff. I will be having uh, my first mock draft uh, coming out uh, in January. I know that's something people really highly anticipate. I'm, I'm starting just barely um, to get a feel for different teams and, and and which players they're leaning towards or who they like um, a little bit more or less. That's kind of how I build uh, together uh, my mock draft. Also following the rookies a bunch um, over there. Uh, so much stuff over at NBABigBoard.com. Sign up, give your email, get it in your inbox. Every time I write a column, a couple times a week, you also get the podcast whenever it comes out. Um, right in your inbox as well. All right. I want to highlight a couple of other players on Big Board 3.0 that that fell out of the top 10 or are high risers that I'm interested in. One one guy you might be asking about is Jalen Duran, a guy who we had ranked pretty high, I think six in Big Board 2.0. He sits at 11. Uh, He's one of the youngest players in the draft, is only 18.6 years of age on draft night. uh, And and he's done some things well. He's been a good rebounder. He's been a good good shot blocker. Obviously has an NBA body, 7'5 wingspan, incredible really at his age. Team's just worried about the motor. I think that's been um, the big question mark uh, for him. 
Uh, does he play hard enough every night? And and a little bit about, you know, is he going to have a, a perimeter game at all, which NBA teams really like their big guys um, to have. Um, he's actually started to show a little bit of a mid-range game, and so maybe that's there. I still put his draft projection at 5 to 15, but he slides a little bit further. Um, I want to talk about a guy who also was not in big board 3.0 and another guy that, look, I'm reaching a little bit. Uh, for him here, uh, another freshman. He plays at Baylor. He's teammates with Kendall Brown. Uh, Jeremy Sohan coming off the bench uh, for Baylor. I don't think there was huge expectations um, about him, but he started to play a more pivotal role as time comes on. Had a 12.7 rebound, two assists, two steal, three block game against Iowa State uh, on January 1st. Through his first 14 games, he's averaging 13.2 points a game, 9.9 rebounds a game, 3.4 assists a game, 1.2 blocks, 1.9 steals per 36 minutes, shooting 36.4 percent from the field and again big guys big strong guys that can guard threes fours and fives he's got the athleticism to do that can stretch the floor will go rebound will protect the will protect the rim a little bit those guys and their versatility are in right now he's one of the youngest players in the draft he seems to be getting better and better every night uh, this is pretty aggressive to put him at 14 but he just fits the profile of these guys that ultimately sort of rise in the draft towards the end teams seem to really like him um, they really like uh, scott drew and 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 the way that he coaches players over there and has allowed him to grow he's going to have his off nights uh, for sure again this is a loaded team and no one player is really going to stand out uh, for this Baylor team. But uh, if you haven't seen Sohan play yet, you should go check him out. Um, he, with the picture we have him on the website with the floppy blonde hair all got shaved off uh, the other day. So that that's not his thing anymore. But uh, just a really talented player and one of the guys that um, I've really been turned on to by several NBA scouts and, and really, really enjoy. He sits at 14. At 16, Blake Wesley, another new entry into our big board. Uh, Notre Dame, the freshman. Uh, another guy whose length and skills, 6'11 wingspan um, as a guard. And questions about can he be a point guard? Has a nine assist game. It was against Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So, you know, not the not the greatest of, uh, of competition. But a guy that is all about the the athleticism the speed the the versatility in the backcourt again has up and down games for through the first 13 though he's averaging 19.3 points a game four rebounds three assists i'm um, shooting 44 percent from the field 34 percent from three he can improve that um, but a guy that i'm watching really closely again another prospect uh, who was not highly ranked out of high school and, I, and i'm going to say something here i'm going to pause for a second because the, the guys that do high school evaluations, they're incredible. They have the hardest job in the world. I know several of them personally. I, I deeply sort of admire them. They have had an incredibly hard job the last couple of years because, because of COVID and just the limited access to players, the limited playing time, the limited development here. I think, that's this is my theory, why some of the lower rated high school guys are popping and some of the higher rated high school guys aren't popping this year uh, may just have something to do with how tricky it was to get evaluations um, in given just everything that's been going on with COVID the last couple of years. Which means that there was a couple of guys that, that I'm really high on early in the season and were really, really highly ranked high school players that have dropped. Peyton, Peyton Watson is at 19. 
Uh, Ty Ty Washington is at 20. Patrick Baldwin Jr., uh, who is considered a top 10 guy, is at 21 for me. Caleb Houston out of Michigan, who's really, really struggled at 22. Uh, so there were some guys that we were really bullish on early as potential lottery picks. All those guys um, that I mentioned looked like potential lottery picks early on uh, have really struggled. And, and I haven't written them out. If you see where they're at in the draft, their play hasn't warranted that at all. None of those players have warranted a first-round grade based off of what we've seen early on um, from them. I mean, it, it's it's been it's been tough. I mean, Peyton Watson, uh, ten points, ten uh, percent from three, ten points per thirty-six minutes. Uh, Ty Ty Washington's actually played okay for Kentucky until it's been Duke, North Carolina, Notre Dame, or LSU, and then he's not played particularly well. Patrick Baldwin Jr. plays great against cupcake component uh, teams, but Florida, Colorado, Rhode Island, awful. Uh, Caleb Houston, oh man, uh, he had a he had a moment. Uh, in December where he looked like he was starting to pull it around. But in his last four games, nine for 33 from the field, two for 17 from three. And this is a guy who absolutely needs his three-point shot falling to, to really be those guys. And and the international guys have created. Um, Usmani Deng, uh, who's playing for New Zealand Breakers out of France, a guy that I really liked, just brutal. Uh, seven points a game. 9.5% from three. That's seven points a game per 36 minutes. Only six games so far I'm in New Zealand, but really struggled. And then a guy that I actually thought could be a number one pick in the draft, Yannick Nosa. First 19 games, 6.5 points a game per 36 minutes. 7.6 rebounds is okay. 1.9 blocks is okay. Shooting 37% from the field is a big man. I love his energy, his fluid fluidness, his ability to defend multiple positions. I actually think uh, Zosa could be a defensive player of the year somewhere, but the offense has just been non-existent um, in the early going for him and, and has raised big concerns. So he drops um, all the way uh, to 23. And so there was, there was this, this group of guys that we had in the lottery that have sort of fallen now into the sort of late teens, early 20s uh, in big board 3.0. Not ready to write him off yet, uh, but... It, it, it's looking for some of them like it's it's really hard to project when you've been um, that that bad. A um, couple of other prospects. Uh, my prospect of the week on Tuesday, uh, Darion Sebron, uh, North uh, Carolina State sophomore, uh, number twenty-seven. He's he's freaky man. He eighty-three point two percent of his shots um, are at the rim. He's a guard who can play the one or the two or the three. 83% of his shots at the rim, he gets it off at a 61.4% when he gets there. Needs to shoot threes, uh, you know, to to really boost his potential. He's going to turn 22 in May, but but the 19.3 points a game, almost 10 rebounds a game as a guard. Uh, the assist numbers. There's some interesting things about him. I think he's a really unique player, and I like him. And finally, uh, Josh Minot hits it at 30. Memphis freshman uh, was my sleeper in Big Board 1.0. Scouts really loved him after they saw his play uh, at the at the Memphis Pro Day. He's been coming off the bench, hasn't been doing much. Cracked uh, the starting lineup. Uh, and put up seven points, 11 rebounds, five assists, two steals. 
incredible athlete, still figuring it out offensively. But through 12 games, if you again, if you average this out to 36 minutes a game, 17.7 points a game, 9.1 rebounds a game, 1.7 assists a game, 2.7 blocks a game, two steals per game. Definitely a guy to watch. I know Memphis has so many prospects on it that he can get lost. But this is a guy that NBA teams think they're going to steal late in the first round. But you're hearing about it um, here on NBA Big Board. All right. Well, look, that's an overview. There's actually 40 of these guys. If you go over to nbabigboard.com, subscribe today, check out the big board. We'll be back with all sorts of stuff. We're going to be talking rookies. We're going to be talking uh, mock drafts. Uh, so much stuff to, to cover. I'm going to have a bunch of great guests uh, on in the next couple of weeks. So really appreciate all the time that you've spent listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha, everybody. Aloha, everybody.